Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with CEO of Trust Unlimited, Daryl Stickle. He is one of the world's leading experts on trust with over 20 years of experience. His PhD, Building Trust in Hostile Environments from Duke University, established him as a global leader for governments, businesses, and NGOs on practical approaches to building trust. Daryl has worked for McKinsey and Company and their Toronto office, as well as advised the Canadian military on trust building in Afghanistan. Lots of great insights enjoy this interview how you doing i'm good what's going on man yeah not a whole lot you got the whole world back there i like it i'm i am out of this world buddy you are out of this world man <laughs> <laughs> well hey uh thank you for taking a minute out today and speaking of out of this world i'm going to begin everything with the bang here and address the elephant in the room which is we all lived through COVID the last three years and yeah. it all did its own thing to all of us. How did you survive that time period? And how has it changed the way that you do things now? Let's see. Um, for me, it, it was a, uh, it, it certainly constrained the amount of, uh, venturing out I did. Um, tended to be a lot more isolated, but it, it changed things in a lot of ways for me because I wrote my book. Uh, during that time, and I developed a bunch of virtual courses um, and started to really lean into the strength of some of that approach. You know, normally I'd done two-day workshops, but now all of a sudden I was able to do brief interludes where I could get people applying the concepts. And so the learning actually seemed to get more powerful, more applied, more practical. Because a lot of times when we do these long workshops, it's fire and forget, right? <clears throat> yeah. You download a lot of information and you hope people take it with them. But with the virtual content that we've developed, now all of a sudden people were able to start practicing and applying the concepts and moving at their own pace. And then they could go back and revisit some of the concepts if they, if they were struggling with them. Really helped me focus more on the learner's journey. So let me ask you this, you know, you're kind of a practitioner of getting people to be uh, in and to have more trust with each other. But I want to kind of boil this down a little bit. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. One, right. of, the little, one of the kids looks up at you and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? I teach people how to get along. I okay. teach people how to get have better relationships. So when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, my God. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think there were so many options. Uh, thought about being a teacher, thought about being a politician, thought about being, uh, I grew up in Fort St. John, so employed was probably the main thing. Um, yeah. cause it was a small Northern community, right? So didn't really know what was possible. Okay. Well, let's go back to where you were born and raised and how these seeds and you have made you a peacemaker and someone that builds trust with other people. How did that happen? How did that become who you are today? So a big part of it was was my upbringing. Uh, growing up in a small community in northern Canada where conditions were harsh, uh, especially during the winter. Um, you know, minus 40 was not uncommon. Mm. Um, and so... When you're in a relatively isolated community, you, you have to pull together. You know, you don't have to like each other, but you, everyone's got to pull together. Um, and 
there's this sense that if you can help people, you should. And that was a big part of growing up for me was this notion that if I was in a position to help someone, I should do that. Um, now I, I had some rough go along the way, you know, sometimes a hard road's a good teacher. Um, but it taught me a, a, a strong sense of empathy for other folks. And for some reason that seemed to communicate itself, right? Like I, I'd be on the bus and somebody would sit down next to me and say, I'm really having a hard time. And, you know, strangers would just open up to me. And so I thought, you know, I'd, I'd like to understand why this is happening. And if it's going to keep happening, maybe I should get paid for this. Um, and so I started down a path towards clinical psychology and was working with troubled teens and families in crisis and um, on crisis lines and all those kinds of things and trying to hone those skills, right? And And so that's what really pushed me into becoming someone who has an awareness about others and relationships in general. Sounds like you found your power, you found your skill and you harnessed it and it's been your pursuit. Really has, you know, and, and I, you know, I ended up after doing my undergraduate degree in psych, I ended up doing a master's in public admin working native land claims and they would ask me these sort of deep philosophical questions like what is self-government or what will the province look like 50 years after claims are settled but the last question they asked me was how do we convince a group of people we've shafted for over 100 years they should trust us and i thought man that is a really good question and it got me thinking about these long-term disputes and why they're so resilient and and that became you know i didn't know it at the time but that became the question that drove me um, I went and did my PhD at Duke focused on conflict resolution and, and conflict management, and then wrote my doctoral thesis on building trust in hostile environments. And so it was a culmination of a lot of the experiences I'd had and the, the work that I'd done and the insights that I generated with some deep theoretical dives on the literature around what trust was and how it worked. Um, but what sort of sets me apart or set me apart was a real practical approach, right? Really wanting to understand what people could do to make things better. Not just understanding the concept itself, but really helping people understand how to get along better. You know, what's interesting, you know, I'll interview people that are like relationship experts. Right. It's like the one thing that we all sing about, all the books are written about, paintings are made because of love and we all have this flaw with it and i think about what you're doing and how inherently we don't have trust in congress no matter what side of the aisle we're talking about yep. when it comes to governments i think that's one of the reasons why covid became such a nightmare is because there was such a deluge of information a and then yep. b there was such a large level of distrust it just hatched all of these like midnight gremlins of conspiracy theories that just right. ran loose. And part of that is exactly what you're trying to mend. We don't trust anything. Going back to JFK, we still don't know exactly what happened. Or going right. back to people debating the moon landing. There's all of these things and we're like, why are we going to trust this entity that's hatching these people that are inherently just <clears> a little <throat> bit creepy? 
How do you get right. to the point where you make and mend these bridges to make people believe in something that's pretty big, which is civil discourse and, and moving forward as, as a people? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. You really summed that up well. Um, it's like, you, it's like you do this for a living or something. <laughs> um, so I believe that trust is a combination of uncertainty and vulnerability. And when we're deciding to trust someone, we ask ourselves two fundamental questions. The first is, how likely am I to be harmed, which is perceived uncertainty? The second is, if I'm harmed, how bad is it going to hurt, which is perceived vulnerability? And if we look back over the last couple of decades, I would say our vulnerability hasn't really gone down, right? If anything, it's gone up a little bit, particularly with the pandemic. Um, and at the same time, our uncertainty is bouncing all over the place. And so it's uncertainty times vulnerability gives us a level of perceived risk. We each have a threshold of risk that we can tolerate. If we go beyond that threshold, we don't trust. If we're beneath it, then we do. And so building trust becomes a matter of understanding where does uncertainty come from and how do I take steps to manage it? Where does vulnerability come from and how do I take steps to help people mitigate it? And through all this, we've had such massive surges in uncertainty. And even the experts were, were, you know, telling us, telling us things early on in the pandemic and the, the rules changed from their perspective because they learned more about, but that's not the approach they took. They said, look, this is what we told you before. We've learned more. This is now the new best approach. Instead, it just felt like they were changing their minds. And we saw different rules in different jurisdictions. And it had positive impacts at some, some points and negative impacts at others. And, you know, the CDC had a model for handling pandemics. And it was actually potentially quite helpful, but it really focused on the, the disease itself, not on the psychological impacts, not on the economic impacts. It was really focused on how do we deal with the disease? And, so there is a level of complexity, and, and when our uncertainty starts to rise like this, we start looking for ways to explain the world. And that's what gives rise to these conspiracy theories, right, is I'm going to try to understand the world, and I'm struggling with it, and I don't believe what you're telling me, and I don't believe what this other person's telling me. But sometimes a, a retrospective narrative makes more sense to us for some reason. And, and so we get pulled into that and we, we start to get to a place, you know, when our uncertainty is so high, we struggle to be any more vulnerable than we already are. And that's what trust is. Trust is a willingness to be vulnerable when you can't completely predict how someone else is going to behave. And so when we're faced with massive uncertainty, that means trust is going to go down. And, and we're seeing that it's at the lowest levels we've ever seen. And you know, you're right about our politicians. They, they vilify one another. They keep telling us those guys over there or those gals over there are are vile, evil creatures who are incompetent and, and not to be trusted. And you know what? They've done a great job because now we believe both sides, that all politicians are vile, evil, and incompetent. And partly, you know, uncertainty comes not just from us as individuals, but it comes from the context we're embedded in, the rules of the game. And we've got a set of rules right now that don't encourage the people we want to lead us to actually want to lead us. You know, we, if I have a great deal of care and concern about my family, 
do I really want to step into politics and put them at risk for all the things that the slings and arrows, the scrutiny, the, the abuse that they're going to take? Probably not. And so we're attracting narcissists who don't care about anybody but themselves. And the one thing we, we want, expect, and need from our leaders, particularly political leaders, is that they actually have our interests at heart, not just their own. So, yeah, you, you've summarized beautifully what's going on right now. Yeah, it's wild. So in this, in this life of leading and bridging, you know, divides that people have, who's been kind of a hero for you, someone that has been a role model? So I think probably the best leader I've ever come across is a woman named Kelsey Trigg. She works at SAP. She's the global vice president of HR advisors. She's got a truly global team. Uh, they, they serve 8,000 internal leaders within SAP. Um, and I did some development work with her and her team around the topic of trust and they've taken it and run with it. And, and SAP does measurements internally of trust levels. Um, their trust levels are off the charts and their client satisfaction ratings are off the charts. Um, so in a, in a place where she's working in a virtual environment across multiple cultures, time zones, all those sorts of things in a high tech community, she's actually managed to build really powerful, positive relationships. Um, I think, you know, if we were looking for more public figures, I would probably look at the, the prime minister of New Zealand and her name escapes me at the moment, but she did a remarkable job of <clears throat> getting people on side and pulling in the same direction. Um, so there have been some leaders who've really shone during these times of crisis. Um, the head of public health in British Columbia, where I live, sort of Western Canada, was incredible. Um, she was just calm and centered, and the government did the smart thing of stepping out of the way and saying, you know, look, we know that half the people didn't vote for us. They don't trust us. Let's put the head of public health front and center. We're going to do what she says. Um. And she was just calm and present and said, you know, look, this is what we know now. These are the rules right now. What we know might change. And if it does, then we'll tell you. And so we've seen some people really step up. Um, unfortunately, we've seen some people really fall down as well. If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now that may really be of a benefit to you and, and how you roll and how you operate, who would that be? Who would you love to meet? Mm. So there are, I'm one of the world's leading experts on trust, but few people have heard of me. And so uh, there's a lot of people talking about trust, but not talking about what to do about it. And so if someone could help me get my message out, um, you know, maybe that's Oprah Winfrey. Um, maybe it's Antonio Gutierrez, the head of the UN, who said we're facing a trust deficit that could be catastrophic. Um, someone like that who can help me get the message out and help let people know that there's actually things we can do about it. There's a practical applied approach that we can take to be intentional about building stronger relationships. 
What is it for you every day when you wake up and do the work that you do that ultimately motivates you? What is it that gets you through the day and, and helps you be who you are? <clears throat> it's the personal impact that I have. Um, you know, I was working with one of my, so <clears throat> I used to teach in Luxembourg and I teach these MBA students and part of the course was that they had to apply the concepts. You know, they had to write up a final report saying, I've applied the concepts in the following way to this relationship, and here's the impact. And one of my students said he wanted to focus on his two sons, three and five years old. And they were estranged because he'd been working in Brazil for most of their lives, hadn't spent a lot of time with them. And he said, I think the relationship's broken forever. You know, he said, I don't know what to do. I'm terrified. I lash out. I yell. Um he said, I, I just seem to do everything wrong. And so through the course, we talked through the model. I coached him some. Um, he started applying the concepts to his sons. And his final report was things have completely changed. They run to me now. They throw themselves on me. They tell me they love me all the time. They fight over who gets to sit next to me. You know, having an impact like that keeps me going. It's, it drives me. You know, the one thing that we've going through this pandemic and coming out of it, it's almost like we've sanded a surface, we're blowing it off the dust, and we're getting into kind of a new era. How confident are you from the, the standpoint of what you do for a living to help trust and to help build that for people? Are you confident that we're entering a new era of somewhat enlightenment or betterness? Or do you <clears> think <throat> it's going to get worse before it gets better? Where's your barometer at with what we're doing now in 2023? I think we're we're at a tipping point and trust levels have been in decline for over a decade. Um, they're the lowest we've ever measured. And there's people talking about end of democracy kinds of numbers, right? We're seeing, we're seeing such high levels of conflict, disagreement, struggles to get along. Um, I think that we, we have the potential to have an inflection point. Um, and realize that, you know, a lot of times the disagreements we're experiencing are, are fostered by extremes, not by regular people who could actually have normal conversations, but by people with megaphones. Um, I think there's a growing realization that we're more alike than we are dissimilar. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm optimistic, but that's because of who I am. Um, I'm also concerned because if if we continue to ignore some of the symptoms we're seeing, um, it has the potential to have really serious negative consequences. You know, I was I was at a conference led by Duke last year called Rebuilding Trust in Institutions. They were talking about government, media, artificial intelligence. And they spent hours saying, you know, these are end of democracy kinds of numbers. Like we're seeing all kinds of symptoms. It's really bad. And somebody finally said, isn't the title of the conference rebuilding trust? What do we do? And the guy who was running it looked into the camera and said, we just don't know. And I'm sitting in the audience going, Ooh, Ooh, pick me because this is what I've been doing for the last 20 years. But it's a battle to get the signal through the noise. So. We'll see. It's a yep. race. 
It certainly is. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show for yourself. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Oh, that's a good story. I mean, or a good question. I, I we We interpret the world through stories, and I can have a positive story about myself or a negative story about myself, and they're both powerful. Um, I am someone who, uh, likes to be helpful. I like to help people get along. I like help, helping people get better. I'm someone who's resilient. Um, and I have a perspective on this topic that most others don't. So I have the potential to be helpful. I'm frustrated that it's not broader than it is already. Um, but I'm someone who has insight and a, a certain amount of wisdom. Um, I think that's, that's the generous story of me for today. Anyways. You know, the one thing that I'm, I'm the, the more I, I think about it and see how divisive and divided things are, I've realized too, that we are just so much more similar. And I think it's so good. These podcasting platforms that a lot of people are getting involved with that really is kind of a, a very small way of building trust and building bridges to something in very small ways that can lead to massive byways of getting to where we want to be, which is a tomorrow that's brighter for everybody, especially the right. younger generations. So yeah, I, I think there's very small incremental things, and it's a testament to the fact that podcasting is overwhelmingly getting more positive. And people <laughs> that are taking the effort to do these things really are building um levels of empathy and understanding each other and realizing like I never actually understood that this capacity that you work in was like a real thing. Not that I didn't, I just didn't know anything about it. So they right. we all understand this a little bit more that we're all kind of creating positive fulcrum forward. I think it's just going to make things better. I agree with you. And, you know, partly the reason that I've started doing more podcasts and trying to share the message is I felt like I was dropping grains of sand in the ocean, right? And and when I come on a show like yours, you and your listeners can help me pick up rocks, great big rocks to drop in the ocean and, and make a bigger splash and start to turn that tide because it's a collective, we need collective collaborative action to resolve some of the problems that we've seen arise and, and be created. And, you know, trust levels are the lowest we've ever seen. So, we need to actually pull together and figure out how to do that, how to have conversations together about what, what's meaningful, what's important, and how we get there. So let's let everybody have that opportunity to pick up the rock. Where can they find out more about you, your mission, anything pertaining <clears throat> to your business? So if they go to trustunlimited.com, they'll find uh, there's a blog section with the articles in there that they can read. Um, podcasts they can look at they can go to my youtube channel uh trust unlimited podcasts um they can find my book building trust exceptional leadership in an uncertain world anywhere the books are bought online um and there's a master class it's three hours of content that's aimed at being very practical and applied uh that's available on the website as well Excellent. Daryl, this has been great, man. Thank you for opening up. Thanks for your time. Best of luck with everything. It's very noble, wonderful work, man. Thank you so much 
for helping me spread the word. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.